Come Holy Spirit. Good evening, everyone. Just say a prayer to the Holy Spirit with me, if you don't mind. Jesus, send your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the gift that these women are to this church and to your church. Open our hearts and our minds tonight. Speak to us. Bless us and our families. Amen. Amen. Praise be Jesus. Amen, right? Okay, so it's an absolute blessing and a privilege to be here and maybe a sort of thank you to Father Brian Barr for the invitation to come speak and I'll explain this sort of in a second. Um, it's an honor. Um, I love the beach. And so when they said it's at St. Mary's in Long Beach, I was like, yes. I felt like, all right, you're my people, right? I love it here. And everything, I have to say, is absolutely beautiful from like all the placement of the leaves on the moms and this and the candles. This church is magnificent. So thank you so much for having me. And the day that we had today here, driving along Ocean Parkway, I live in Bayshore, and driving along Ocean Parkway, it's like, oh, it's magnificent. So thank you. Uh, my name again is Liz Welling. I am a wife, a mom of three young men sort of men, and uh, a theology teacher at St. Anthony's High School. Um, so I wanted to, when I first was praying about this, uh, I, the imposter syndrome came up. And I don't know if any of you know about the imposter syndrome, but a friend of work had kind of diagnosed me with this syndrome. Um, so he was explaining the symptoms of imposter syndrome, and he was saying, um, one symptom after the other, and I turned into the hypochondriac, and I was like, yeah, huh? I have that. Yep, I have the next one, too. And I have, oh, yeah, that's me, too. And I thought, you know, if you answer yes to one or more of these questions, you probably have it. So I, I was like, so my sisters who are a little bit more secure in the room might not know imposter syndrome, but imposter syndrome is the sometimes persistent feeling of being way out of your depth, unqualified, petrified that somehow someone, maybe with a clipboard or something, is going to come to the doors of the church or maybe the doors of my classroom at school and tell everyone that I'm unqualified, that the secret is out, and that I'm out of my depth. The water might be too deep for me to swim. And so speaking to you before the Blessed Sacrament tonight, I feel like is meant for spiritual giants like Sisters of Life or priests, but, and not me, um, but that's hence sort of the thank you to Father Brian. So while I was praying what I was going to share with you tonight, um, God put on my heart that there was someone else that I know very well that I'm close to that I can ask for advice. And immediately the Magnificat came to mind. And in my heart I heard Liz how did Mary answer her, her cousin Elizabeth? And the first lines, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant and the for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant pierced me, struck my heart. It's Mary's longing, her humility and her neediness for God and obviously her deep love that struck me. 
So looking a bit deeper, we think of what happens in the scriptures right before that. The beautiful answer, Elizabeth responds to the Blessed Mother when she first hears the greeting and the visitation, right? The infant leapt, a flame was ignited, and she said, how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Elizabeth was in awe. So both these godly women respond in disbelief, mostly with humility, a neediness for God. So considering their response, perhaps they too were feeling out of their depth. The important thing is what they did with that feeling and it ultimately all points to a trust in God. So I figure that if you're here tonight with me, that you have a sense of that neediness, that longing, and that love for God. And maybe too, like you, maybe like me, you sometimes have that feeling of being out of your depth. So tonight, you and I are like Mary and Elizabeth, really with them, my sisters, in Christ. Some of my actual sisters in Christ are here as well. So I'll give you a little bit of a background. My faith really has been a little bit of a slow burn. Remember that game when you were little, the hot cold game? Like, you're getting warmer, warmer. Oh, no, 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 now you're cold. Oh, hot, now you're burning hot. Remember that game? I feel like that's kind of like an idea of what my faith life sometimes is. And when we look at the Blessed Mother, I feel like there's two ways that sometimes, there's lots of ways we can see here, but really two ways. We can maybe be in awe of her holiness, thinking and emulating her might be impossible. The sinless mother, minor detail, right? She was sinless. Mothering, letting her mother you in this part or the way that you look at her might be difficult. Or you can also be in awe of her holiness, motivated by it, wanting to learn from it, sitting at her feet, inviting her in, offering her ultimately everything so that she can bring you closer to your, her son. And I think I really would have considered myself a part of that first group until recently, well, somewhat recently. So I have a spiritual director. And in one of my first meetings, he would tell me, you know, the rosary really should be sneaking its way into your day, every day. And I didn't want to tell a priest in the Bronx that runs a homeless shelter that I was too busy for that. <laughs> I, I didn't have the guts to do that. I, I'm smart enough to know that. So he said, listen, Liz, um, you wait online at the grocery store, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, and do you ever wait in the car for your kids? And I was like, yes, I do that. And he's like, what about commuting to work? What's your commute like? And I told him. And he said, well, bring her with you. Pray a decade here, a decade there. And before you know it, you've said the entire rosary. So trying to be as obedient as I could, I thought, OK, I'm not too busy for the rosary every day. And before you know it, he was right. Decades turned into daily rosaries. She became my companion my walking partner, my peace. So the rosary is that companion, but basically a mirror of our lives right now, most especially as women. So let's journey together for a minute through the joyful mysteries so we can grow closer only to the one that can bring us closer to Christ.
So first, the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel appears to the Blessed Mother, announcing that she'll be the mother of Christ. And scripture tells us that one, she was greatly troubled, and then she pondered. Her being full of grace is in that short sentence, right? Greatly troubled and pondering. It's so evident. She's initially troubled. You and I can relate to that. Maybe feeling out of her depth. But then she ponders. And she ponders, I believe, because she trusts. Such an important step here. Some I sometimes forget. It's a holy pondering. It's not with anyone else. It's with God. So she doesn't wait for the right feeling. Some of us want, want to run away, have choice words, maybe have a little hardness of heart like Zechariah. She's troubled and then ponders. So when Bishop Barron talks about his, he talks about some of the, the joyful mysteries, he points out Mary's receptivity in this first mystery to the angel. She's receptive to how God is working in her life. He's asking what he's asking of her, and she trusts him so much that she gives him her yes, her fiat. Just a few lines later, ponder, trust, receptivity, virtues that Mary teaches us in that first mystery. Second, the visitation. We heard about that in the gospel. Mary travels in haste to the hill country to visit Elizabeth. The interesting part of this is the haste, I think, to be in communion with her cousin. She's receptive to God's plan for her, and now she's on a mission. And she wants to commune with a like-minded, godly woman. A beautiful sisterhood is witnessed. She found her mission, and it's not about her. So from this haste of visitation, this sisterhood, this mutual mission, flow the beginnings of two of the most rich and beautiful prayers that we have in our tradition. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and our Magnificat. Look at what the meeting of two women filled with the Holy Spirit, two godly women can do. Like us tonight, right? They gave us a prayer that billions have prayed for centuries over. That's powerful. So inside of this mystery is also the charity that Mary and Elizabeth possess. And it first comes from this charity or love that Mary's able to travel in haste. Infants leaping, hearts ignited. Can you just imagine what we could do in the world today having hearts like Mary and Elizabeth? So the third, the birth of Christ, her receptivity, her trust, her prayers have all come to fruition, and she gives birth to Jesus. When the shepherds come and visit her, the Magi as well, she again ponders these things in her heart. It's all about her new-born king's son. Now I think if I had a baby king, and kings came to me and gave me expensive gifts, really expensive, I'd be like, oh, look what they gave me. It's frankincense, it's only for royalty, right? We'd want to tell everyone. Post pictures. <laughs> but not Mary. She kept these things in her heart. 
She has a virtue of detachment from what the world thinks of her. And this holy silence of her speaks volumes to me. A holy silence, a detachment from the world, and the opinions that the world offers is something that you and I can use. So forth the presentation of the baby Jesus in the temple. Mary and Joseph go and present their, te- their baby in the temple. And while a joyful mystery because of the purity of Mary and Joseph bringing this baby to the temple, the mystery is also tinged with a little bit of sadness, right? She has this sobering message, and Simeon tells her that a sword will pierce her heart. She waited, sometimes like we do, for the other shoe to drop her whole life, maybe. It's a tough one as a mom, right? Sometimes that feeling, that anxiety of waiting for that other shoe to drop. So I think you and I can relate. However, she and Joseph were totally obedient, bringing their child to the temple. And when the temptation for you and I to fall into paralyzing fear of what the future might hold, it weighs us down. There's no human woman that walked this earth that knows purity and trust rather than paralyzing fear than Mary. Fifth, finding the child in the temple. Three days, they found Jesus among the elders. And again, it says she kept these things in her heart. Like again. And if you've ever lost a child, everyone knows about it. The whole family knows the story of how my son was lost at a lacrosse game. It was awful. But I don't think that God's asking for a total silence here, perhaps with those pondering those things with him. Maybe speak to him more often about those feelings. Permit him to really work in your heart. Mary, too. Maybe our first reaction is to go to God with that hurt, confusion, or fear and ponder those feelings with him first. So what do I learn from Mary as I bring her along on my commute or in the grocery store while I'm praying the rosary? She inspires me to be holy. I'm no longer intimidated by her holiness. I strive for it. I want to be receptive to how God's working in my life like she was receptive, ready to receive from the Father's generous hands. And so with a heart full of love and ready to know what God's mission is for me, I'm going to work towards that in haste. But with a community of like-minded, Christ-like women like yourselves, Christ-like sisterhood like we have here, with him and Mary, we can truly change the world. And no one needs, no one, the world needs the charity that only the heart of a woman can offer. So I want to be able also to detach from the world and what it thinks of me, ponder more with him, rejoice in him and the gifts that he's given me, and to thank him first. I want to be pure, pure of heart, so that I'm more able to be obedient to whatever God has in store for me. Yes, even if something difficult is what Simeon told the Blessed Mother, with a sword piercing her heart. And I want to be astounded by Jesus and to again keep these things in my heart with him in the space 
that I've permitted him to take up residence. So my beautiful sisters in Christ, let's remember the Blessed Mother, her cousin Elizabeth. They were once like perhaps you and me, maybe feeling out of their depth. And let's remember what they did with that feeling. They loved first. They were receptive to him and his mission for them. They trusted. They communed with godly women. They kept a holy silence. And they were able to prayerfully detach from the world. So I talk to a lot of teenage girls every day, or rather I listen to them. <laughs> and sometimes um, I love their friends and sometimes I have to remind them that they are their friends. Even today I said that, I'm like, I'm not so sure about who you're hanging out with. So I reminded them of that. And rather they say like, no, that's who I'm hanging out with, Mrs. Welling, like I'm hanging out. I thought, okay. So my dear sisters, let's hang out with Mary. Let's go to the beach with her. And most importantly, let's hang out with her in the rosary, Elizabeth too so as to become more like her, where we can pray, ponder, detach, love, and be more silent in order to get closer to her, who is the only one who can tr truly bring us closer to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you mind saying a Hail Mary with me? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you for praying for me. I've been praying for you, and let's continue to do so. Amen.